You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Waste Disposal Center 3 on the original Death Star. I'm so we should be recording. We should be. How you doing, Sarah? I'm good. I'm, I'm alive, right? I'm, I'm I'd here. Be, I'd be better if we weren't trying to look at Pomp Chapter 2 today. That's... That's true. Did you notice how quickly when we were talking to Michael, I jumped at the idea of talking about Spider-Man? Oh, Did you see Sarah. that? Dear, dear Sarah, we are in over our heads, aren't we? Yes, because I'm going to be honest. Like I was just telling Jamie, I was like, you know, I read it. I kind of, I thought I was going to read it again before today because I was like, maybe if I read it a second time, it'll make sense. But pretty quickly into that, I was like, no, no. So I skimmed well, it a second time. You know... It sort of reminds. Hey, vocal fam, what's oh, up? Hey we guys, are back. it's it's been a minute. It's it's plop number number two, guys. Well, if we even finish it, um, well, we're, we're gonna but, go, we said chapter three. I I am going to read chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get there, just just to catch you guys up, vocal fam, uh, mm. we're sorry that that this week's episode got up a little late. Um. In addition to trying to read this very thick book, which is funny because uh, it's not a really, it's really not a big book. No, what is it? A hundred pages. It, but it feels like I mean, so many it more. It's like a hundred fifty. It's like okay, so it's a hundred fifty pages. I mean, it's really not that much. And um, yet, it's just, it's just the words and the concepts, words and concepts. Yep. Like remember, Sarah, the first time you read, like practical vocal acoustics yeah the first that's, time that's the thing i'm telling myself i keep telling myself that maybe like that's part of why i want to go ahead and read chapter three and like push through because i feel like everything i've done in studying pedagogy acoustics any of it it's almost like the further you go all of a sudden the stuff at the beginning finally starts to make sense yeah. And so this is how I mean how many times have we said that about acoustics? Oh, yeah. Well, or like in talking to kind of your pedagogy class at school, we're always like, look, it's going to make sense eventually. Not today. <laughs> and that's that's how I feel with this book. I just keep telling myself, you know what? Maybe parts of it will make sense eventually. You know, that's an interesting point. So vocal fam, we've been working on Rainer Plomps yep. the intelligent ear. I think it's been working on me more than... Um, hey, question for you. Do you have the 2013 edition or the 2002 edition? Uh, Let's take... I apparently have the 2002 edition. So do I, but apparently there is a 2013 revision, second edition. Well, that's just too bad because yeah, I'm certainly not spending that. more money on this. No, me neither. Anyway, um, but but... <laughs> you know, d your your point is really well taken in that uh, how many times did you hear me say to pedagogy classes, you know, it, look, th this is not going to make sense up front. Nope. But I will say, I think we got better last year when we started the whole thing with noises. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You, you know, kind of started so at the end. 
Right. So, and I think, and, and that's just how I'm going to teach it from now on is we're going to teach this stuff, you know, uh, well, I, now I teach all of pedagogy from the point of here's noises. Some sounds. <laughs> These are noises you should know. These are noises we're going to hear. And we're going to base everything else we talk about on these noises. <laughs> well, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting. One of the things that came up this summer that I would imagine that any workshop that ever deals with acoustics or resonance deals with. And one of the things we talked about at Singing Voice Science this summer is that a lot of the time, and because I'm sure that, that they deal with this at... at uh, practical what do they call their summer thing acoustic voice pedagogy workshop i'm sure that they deal with this as well yeah this idea that attendees come to one of these workshops and they pay a lot of money yes you know to come to one of these workshops and you think that you're going to go home with a working knowledge of voice acoustics and you just can't (laughs) it just doesn't it's not a subject that works that way. No. And, and I mean, I think that even those attendees who attend Summer Vocology Institute, you know, with Dr. Tietze mm-hmm. uh, in the summer, I doubt that they come away with a completely comprehensive knowledge of voice science. No, I, I think to, ex- honestly, I think to expect to master any subject in the course of, one week or even a, a month is kind of absurd. Like you wouldn't expect to be voice teachers go to these things. We, you can't learn how to master your voice, literally just singing by taking a month of singing lessons. You know, that's a very good analogy. Yeah, you, you can't master anything in a month. So to expect to walk in and try and completely understand a complex science in a matter of days weeks and just you know what a dozens of hours is kind of absurd unless you're tony stark unless you're tony stark which unfortunately i don't think any of us are maybe i'm wrong ja- jamie might think he is yeah well, jamie jamie will get over it <laughs> I, I don't think even he would admit to that because i i you know i told you i made him look at it because i was like Look, Jamie, look at this horrible stuff. And he was like, well, yeah, Sarah, of course, blah, like fancy science words, engineer talk graphs. And I was like, okay, whatever. You're useless. Get out. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you anymore. You were supposed to go, wow, that looks complicated. So instead, I took a picture and sent it to some friends to make myself feel better about my lack of my lack of understanding. I was like, guys, what is this? And they were like, you know, it brings back my memories of Michael in pedagogy classes <laughs> or some of our voice science courses and just, you know, Michael would just be there and all of a sudden he's like, nah, about five minutes into your lecture, I just started hearing science, 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 mm-hmm. science. Yeah. In fact, there was a test that I think he wrote that word out like 400 times. Yikes. Actually ty- copied and pasted it. Yikes. Okay, he like didn't literally write times. it because I was going to say, I was like, that is no, way it was more. A, it was one of my take-home exams. Okay. And I'm fairly certain he cut and pasted the word science a few hundred times in a response. Well, that's, you know, commitment to science in a sense. Maybe not the way we intended. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good times, though. That's a, I saw his post about the salsas, and I was like, whoa, that was a blast from the past. Yeah, there was a day in Vocal Fam where when everyone was still a graduate student, well, meaning when Sarah yeah. and Michael and Leah and everybody were, were both. Still graduate students, and uh, we had a little year kickoff dinner, and uh, Michael brought four different Tom Cruise-themed salsas to the party. Yep. And In fact, it might have been the first week of Vocal Fry. It might have been, because I vaguely feel like we might have even spoken about these salsas on Vocal Fry in the past, in season one. Actually, that may have been the week of the mysterious lost half episode. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when we had weird things like that, when, like, episodes would go missing, or the clicking? Yeah, the early clicking was annoying. The, the clicking was—I was not a fan. Not a fan. Oh, Listen, good times. folks, if you are out there in podcast land and you're thinking about starting your own podcast, and you'd like to know all the mistakes we made, just go listen to those first few episodes. You don't even need to ask us. You can just play about like two minutes of each episode, and you'll be like, mm, "Okay, I see. I get it." So this is what not to do in a podcast. Got it? Yeah. I mean, I think they could still learn those things from us right now. That's probably true. That's probably true. Like the fact that, you know, they could be out there saying, weren't they going to talk about this second chapter? Yeah, I was just thinking that. Boy, it seems like they're just stalling. I am stalling because I I don't know even what to say about it because (laughs) I, I honestly don't. I don't think I can like really comment on much of anything other than that. Well, but you know what makes me feel good? That everybody uh, is me, this le- way? Well. <laughs> that nobody gets it? Well, I will say this. There was a Facebook thread uh, that our, 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 our friend Dan Mitten was trying to run a curation of this book about a year ago. Yeah. Uh, in fact, a little over a year ago. I think it was like early summer 2018. And a bunch of our our dear friends and colleagues sort of all bottomed out after this chapter. I get it though. This and he went he went back and tagged me in a bunch of those posts. Yeah. Uh, so I could see how their discussions had gone on these first two chapters, and um, you know it made me feel good just to see that that this material is dense and confusing for lots of us. It is. And um, I think in general, the I said this last week, so much of our voice knowledge comes from speech science Mm -hmm. and coming at it from this other side of the equation, I think it it really runs the risk of you seeming to anyone who comes at it from the speech science as a hippy-dippy crazy person yeah that's the thing like if you really want to be faced with how much of a scientist you are not like this book will show you right like it's gonna make you face up to the fact that like i don't know this kind of math at all like when well oh no go ahead you go ahead because well, what I was going to say is, I, I know that jo- my our, our, our dear friend Josh Glasner gets upset when I say things like I'm just a voice teacher, and you know, m- meaning he he doesn't like it when I just try to 
you know, coyly play that I don't do science at all. Yeah. But but trying to read things like this remind me of my own self-limitations. Yes, same. And that, okay, while, yes, I maybe am not just a voice teacher, I... Uh, I'm not on this level. Uh, th- well, there's also some part of me being a tenor that it, on the inside I'm a dumb tenor some, somewhere deep down inside of myself. Um, but I, I do have a couple of things. that l- Let's at least start unpacking a couple of things in this chapter because there are some things in this chapter that I do... Um, I, I guess maybe I would say I've hung around Ian enough to know some of the things in this chapter. Okay. There were some... Like I said, I don't understand it. There were some interesting things. I just didn't understand, I guess, enough of, like, the math and the process he used to get to those points that I felt sure. still fairly lost. So, yeah, let's let's do it. All right. I'm ready. So, I, I, I the, the whole point of the chapter really is dealing with the ear as a frequency analyzer. Yes. That that the ear is is its own sort of way more complex uh, frequency analyzer than most digital frequency analyzers could be. Yeah, it was very impressive. Just the number of steps that your ear and brain goes through in deconstructing and reconstructing sound. And and when you think about it, that in a way has major implications for a voice teacher. Okay. I mean, just well, just the fact that look at all the steps that the ear has taken in before you, by the time, you know, because voice teachers are so quick to just be like, well, I can hear someone sing for five seconds and I know if I'm going to accept them into my school or not. Yeah. Or I can hear someone for five seconds and know that they're going to win the Met competition or not or blah, 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 blah. You know, these generalities. Yes. Um, you know, the interesting thing about that is think how much processing your ear and brain have done in those five seconds. That's true. That's, you know, um, but he breaks down and then separates the chapter. First, he sets up just the sort of this ear as frequency analyzer bit, but then he goes about breaking that down into three parts. Um, into three perceptual parts, and those big three being timbre, mm-hmm. pit, pitch, yes. and lastly, loudness. Yes. Um, I thought the hardest part of this chapter, honestly, for me to read, was the ear as frequency analyzer. I struggled with as much of that as I probably did with any section of this chapter. I don't know about you. I had trouble with that, and then every time I looked at those horrible graphs plotting the vowels, those Dutch vowel sounds, I just, I don't know. Give me a, give me a page. Uh, 22 and page 24. Every time I saw those, my brain just sort of just stopped and was like, I don't know where this came from. I don't know what I'm doing with this. I don't know what the, but like, what, I, what are you trying to tell me with this picture? It meant nothing to me. Really? Because, I mean, these are just formant plots. Like, I kind of got that, but I don't know. There was just something. Ab- I don't know. I Maybe I was trying to read too much into them. 
Yes, I think that's what was going that's on. That's probably it then, because I was just sitting here, because I did start of think, I was like, oh, these kind of look like formats, but then I'm like looking at the numbers and whatever log F2 is. Well, I get what F2 is. Okay, but wh- what's log? I don't know. I think it's math. It's, the, it's, it's a logarithmic scale of the, of the, of the first resonance. Well... Yeah, I actually those two charts I didn't I didn't struggle with too much actually. I did. It was, it was the log, the logarithms. It was not they were not kind to me. And also, well, as opposed to the scale being linear, he made the scale logarithmic. Don't like that. Don't like that. I wanted to. Well, I, I guess, and it partially, I think it was because I went to those thinking that the figures might help me understand the text more. And they did not. No, you have to almost understand the text before looking at the figure. And I think that maybe that was part of my issue too, is that I, like, usually the figures kind of can help me have a better idea of what the text is saying, and this was not one of those scenarios. Yeah. Um, so he basically gets going, talks about, immediately sort of dives into basics of of hearing, you know, uh, variations of periodic variations of air pressure. Um, yeah. And of course, I mean, there's, there's, there's basic stuff in here that is not confusing to us. True. Um, the fact that the duration of a period determines the pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. uh, the shorter the period, the higher the pitch, right? Yes. Because... The more times it then repeats, the higher the frequency, and there you go. Frequency. Now we're to a word that you and I understand. Yes, thank heavens. (laughs) (laughs) And you also understand his statement right off the bat that waveform characteristics determine timbre. Oh, yeah, because we talked about that. Yeah, there were little things that I was like, oh, I get this. I actually really appreciated his explanation of kind of how your ear... um, can you know cuz he talked about in the first chapter how your ear takes in all of these sounds we hear all these sounds and we separate them back out which has always been like i don't know that was confusing to me to think about because at the same time we've talked about how the ear process works with like the areas of pressure and i'm like how is your ear taking just like you take all these sounds which is complex and then all of a sudden it's having to put them into just these pressure bands which seems less complex and so how do you then get these separate sounds again at the other side with the brain and I appreciated that I felt like he kind of explained it in this and I'm not even saying I fully understand it yet but it was like I'm beginning to understand it and I liked that there's there is a great video on YouTube that actually describes the process of auditory transduction okay um that that is available on youtube i don't remember what the name of the video is uh but if you give me just a second could i can i can tell you okay uh if you'll give me just a moment and and keep riffing while i go ahead and look up a video yeah but essentially like there there were lots of little things in this chapter that i i got probably just enough that, as I said, like, I, I want to kind of keep pushing for now. Like, I want to try Chapter 3, but I also didn't feel like I understood enough that I am in any way qualified to really, like, make Comments statements about this. About? Yes, it's it's funny. Like, on the one hand, 
there's a part of my brain that's like, no, we need to do this one chapter at a time. But then there's another part of me that I was like, well, what? It might be easier if we were trying to, you know, read two chapters and then comment because it might make more sense. But I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah. It's it's all a lot. I appreciated that he went back. Like I liked that the end of the chapter had the discussion. That helped a little. Okay, let's define for our listeners a couple of his definitions. I can't find this video. That's all right. There is a video on YouTube. If you if you YouTube auditory transduction, it will pop up. Okay. Um, and that'll give you our our listeners a, a, a better sense of just exactly how these. Yeah, there's lots of well, videos. For, for one thing, it will name you all the parts of the ear, which is helpful in and of itself. But it will also give you some. Uh, better ideas of of the function of of the different parts of the ear and how the process of auditory transduction works um where was i something about definitions but i don't know what words you wanted to define yeah thank you thank you i can help i was just I was just seeing if I wanted to say anything more specific about the ear as frequency analyzer. I think it's important that he uh, uh, immediately breaks out the idea of, um, in terms of the waveform business that we were just talking about, mm-hmm. he breaks into idea that if you just separate out a period of sound, one single period of sound... Mm-hmm that that would indicate essentially what musicians would refer to as pitch, even though we'll talk about pitch in a second, Mm -hmm. meaning it represents the fundamental frequency because it's representing the number of times that that that, that, um, period would have to repeat to give us the frequency of oscillation. Okay. And that the next, I don't know, five or six-ish harmonics give us the timbre and when or or even more than that and then when all those are combined into the full complex waveform it's those harmonics that are creating timbre rather than the fundamental itself because the fundamental is just the fundamental Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have the timbre that a complex sound would yes um he talks a lot about critical bandwidths in this section. How do you feel about critical bandwidths? I don't know. I mean, that again, like I, I get that. I guess that that's a that statement. Mm-hmm. Sorry, let me think of my way to use words. Oh, critical bandwidths. That didn't seem super complicated to me. I felt like that was something that my brain just kind of could accept. Like, okay, yeah. Um, where I'm trying to even think where it is, because I certainly didn't like memorize what the critical bandwidth is, but that doesn't seem super complicated to me. I guess it makes sense that that, that exists, yeah. that you need that. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, go back to what you just said. I think there's an important point there for our listeners. What? I kind of want to compare th- that you didn't have it memorized what it was. Oh, yeah, like I didn't memorize what it was, but the concept itself seemed fairly just kind of self-explanatory. I think think there's an important lesson there in that 
Let's say that our listeners do want to dive deeper into speech science or voice science. Mm-hmm. And, and so they have decided that they want to go to the source itself. And so they want to dive into either The Science of the Singing Voice by Johann Sundberg or they want to dive into Dr. Tietze and, and, and Dr. Vertolini's uh, not vocology, no, the one Dr. Tietze wrote himself, Principles of Voice Production. Mm-hmm. And so they've gotten their copy of Principles of Voice Production and they read it. Okay. And maybe even they've read it and they've really rigorously made notes and digested it. That is different than memorizing equations. Yes. You know, and I think that's a lesson here for this book too, that if you're going to try to... It's, it, it sort of goes back to the, the thing of, um, you know, basic acoustics. There's one thing of sort of understanding where F1 and F2 go or FR1 and FR2 go when you're articulating around with your tongue, lips, and jaw mm-hmm. and larynx. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing to actually having those things memorized where the average frequencies are. Yes. Right. Yes, that's true. You know, those are different. Those are different things. Yeah. Or, or even if you're further along than that, and you're, you understand basic concepts of inertive reactance and impedance. If you're that far, that's different than having like the equation for impedance memorized. Yes, it certainly is. You know, you know that I guess that's my my point is perhaps the mistake okay f- for example if we're reading a voice pedagogy book and we're reading uh Richard Miller's structure of singing let's say it's very easy to memorize the concept of inhaling through a rose the scent of a rose right yes. because as a singer you're like oh I breathe in oh I a rose that's very memorable let me breathe the rose, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Okay, great. So now I've got this Richard Miller sense of inhalation. But that's different than, like, I think, conceptually memorizing what critical bandwidths are. Yes. That, that's my point. My point just is, I think it's one thing to have a book like this on hand, to, to know the concepts, to be familiar with them, but be able to go look up more specific things. It's another thing to... And maybe to have some basic conversation about it. It's another thing to have it memorized. Because even most people who are involved in voice acoustics don't even really have something as common as the Fourier transform theory memorized in the equation. Yeah, yeah. When I finally saw that... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I I don't think most of us have it memorized because I... I, I guess the, the feeling is sort of like, I have a lot of stuff that I need to have memorized in my head. And something like the Fourier Transform Formula, like, I am not going to need to call that up often enough, personally, that that's worth, like, the trouble when I can just go look it up. Like, I can just Google. Like, if I really need that formula, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Google and be like, what's this formula? Even if I had it memorized, I'd probably still Google it just because I don't trust myself that much. I Google a lot of stuff. Um, speaking of Fourier or Fourier. Fourier or however we want to say his name, if we're saying the French, Fourier. I'm not that fancy. Um, I'm not going to claim to be that fancy. No. 
Um, can we talk about this question? He asks a rather big question on 16 that we are qualified to talk about. I am. Okay. Thus, the crucial question is, are individual harmonics actually inaudible? And this is leading him to his talk about pitch, to be completely honest. Um, But he, he... he cites very early um, Mersenne's uh, Traite de Instrument, and where he made the following um, observation: the strings, the uh, talking about harmonics. The yes. str- this is in 1636, by the way. I the know. String- <laughs> right. The string struck and sounded freely makes at least five sounds at the same time. This is referencing overtones harmonics whatever you want to call them oscillating frequencies Mm -hmm. the first of which is the natural sound of the string or in other words the fundamental and serves as the foundation for the rest all these sounds follow the ratio of the numbers one two three four five for one hears four sounds other than the natural one the first of which is the octave above the second is the twelfth the third, the fifteenth and now we're just going through the harmonics octave fifth fourth major third minor third minor etc um and it's interesting that he was corresponding with uh Rene Descartes for one and they could not explain his observation. Yeah. Of course then it was of course Fourier who gave us mathematical proof that uh that this in fact was a was a thing yeah. of the of the frequency ratios of harmonics. And then, of course, he and Helmholtz started, you know, playing off of each... Helmholtz started playing off of his work mm-hmm. uh, in in order to help develop, you know, telephones and, and things of this nature. Like those, eventually. yeah. <laughs> you know. And just, you know, real basic things. Just inventing telephones and math. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> but, but Helmholtz was then getting into this idea that it's more difficult to discern individual harmonics the higher they get. Yes, which is something, of course, uh, we're familiar with. Right. Yes, because the higher we get, the closer the interval becomes and the more they just start blending into each other, which is not a foreign concept to us. Yeah. It's how we end up with things like males singer format and roughness and yeah and and if any of the i don't have mata set up to play right now into the um into the zoom but there's a a wonderful um little experiment on page 17 that you could do with yourself with mata Mm -hmm. uh that that is cited from plomp and mimpen in 1964 would be completely doable to determine how many harmonics you were hearing in this kind of thing so that would be a fun little exercise i guess we could make a video out of that if i really wanted to take the time to put up a youtube video but since we don't have a youtube channel for the podcast that's put it on facebook or instagram but people do that and you know what what if it weren't the first week of school i probably i know i think one of the things that i'm struggling with vocal fam is that 
I've been in meetings all week. Yeah. Yeah, that would be exhausting. Um, this was my first week, like, full with my full schedule of teaching, which I've never done before. So that was a lot. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Sarah and I have a bunch of other stuff to talk about about this chapter. So here's what I say we do. I do want to hit these timbre and pitch yeah. and uh, loudness things more specifically. Yeah. Because I think I have some more intelligent things to say about that. I'm not sure I do, so. <laughs> okay, well, let's leave chapter two here because we have a ton of other stuff to get to from this week. That's true. Because it has been a very, very surprisingly large week. So um, many things have happened. Honestly. Can I just say that we will come back to Plomp. We're not done. So just vocal fan before you freak out. We're not done. Yeah, I'm sure they were going to be really upset. I could, I or could we tell. might be done. No, we'll no, we're, we're not. We're going we're gonna to push through. We're, we're, um, it, it can happen. But there were many major pop culture things that happened this week. Yes. And I was not prepared... I should have known better. I knew D23 was happening this week. I did week. too, but I didn't expect to have like these groundbreaking, like almost Comic-Con level announcements. Right. I thought that since like Marvel particularly had made so many announcements at Comic-Con. Like what could be left? That D23 was going to be sort of an afterthought. But boy, were we wrong. How wrong were we, Sarah? I don't think we... Uh, we were just really wrong. We we were really wrong. I, um, I mean, and and in comparison, I hadn't even looked up the D23 schedule. Yeah, uh, it just all of a sudden... It was funny, right before you started messaging me like, did you see this, this? I got on Facebook and all of a sudden see that we're going to have a She-Hulk TV show. And it was like whoa, this is major, like, what are they announcing? And then all of a sudden you start messaging me all this other stuff. And I was just like, well, I I am just behind. I was behind. Well, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I was late to the game with the whole Sony and Marvel and okay, Spider-Man. Because well, we that's got to be talked about, there. too. Okay, let's start there. Ugh. Okay, so the the nerd world went nuts this week. Yes, when what was it on Wednesday? I don't Thursday. know. I don't know. I lost track of days this week. And every week. That Marvel and Sony They broke up. Have it has broken down, folks. Yeah. Well they broke up with the Disney. Wonderful cinematic utopia that we've been living in since twenty fifteen. I'm so mad. Has broken down. I'm so mad. And Spider Man is out. I love Tom Holland. Like liked it's no 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 tom holland is not done he's gonna be done you know no. you know he's still got a contract with sony they're for not two more they're movies. not gonna be good we all know they're not gonna be good well, not not doing them and not being good are two different yeah things. but in my head they're, just, they're not gonna be good it's, it's basically like it's done in a sense of like the beauty like spider-man movies that i loved and enjoyed and spider-man being in my avengers like that's done. And I hate that so much. Just because he was, I don't know, he's, oh, hi, Olivia. <laughs> um, now she can't hear me. Anyway, 
Sorry, I got distracted. Um, Hi. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Olivia. Hi. Okay, you have to go. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, because I, I did not watch the, what is it, Tobey Maguire? Was that the first Spider-Man? You didn't see any of those three movies? I didn't. I think I saw parts of them, but I was really little and just didn't, I don't know. I was young you when know, those came out. I sort of like view, it's weird. I have this like, I almost forget at this point that people made superhero movies before before Iron Man. I do too. Well, and so I forget about him and I didn't really care about him. Those didn't seem very good. I actually liked, I think it was Andrew Garfield. That was the next Spider-Man. I liked him okay. And, like, so I was a little sad when they changed it up, like, when they got rid of him. But I was kind of like, oh, okay. But I am genuinely upset with Tom Holland. So was the internet. He's a little cinnamon bun. He deserves better. Well, the internet... He deserves better. ...went nuts. Yeah, I know. I mean, so much that the day of Sony's stock prices fell... A lot, right? From... The breakup with Marvel Studios. Granted, I feel like I've seen some stuff since then that, you know, a lot of people blaming it on Sony, but that it's actually kind of Disney's no, fault. Like, Disney got greedy. Dis- yeah, apparently it's Disney's fault from what I've read. And I'm I'm slow to anger when it comes to Disney, but I'm mad at them right but now. But I'm also not surprised it's their fault. Yeah, because, I mean, as we, I think, as we've said, that they're just basically taking over the world and... But other D23 news, I mean, my goodness gracious. Uh, so we're getting, we found out about three different Marvel series that we didn't already know I was going to say, like, we already have so many great Marvel series coming. She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and then, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Moon... Moon Knight? Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Um, I don't know anything about so that. Many other, so many other announcements. Uh, Eternals, Kit Harrington is going to be in the Eternals. I know! And not only is he going to be in the Eternals, he's the Black Knight. I don't even know what that is. Well, we had heard rumors that the Black Knight was going to be in Endgame. Right. In the, I remember you thinking that. And because he, I, I'm assuming he's going to wield Excalibur. That would be cool. So, I mean, or one of the other ancient swords of Lord knows what Something. in the comics. I don't know. Um. So yeah. I mean that's an interesting that's an interesting casting news obviously for Game of Thrones fans I mean big big Oh yeah news. well because um so that was Jon Snow in Game of Thrones and then the guy that played Rob Stark is also in the Eternals movie so little they're going for a reunion demographic there I think uh, you know it, it'd be very interesting given that a lot of the actors who have been cast in that yeah are that their their output has been more adult be very interesting if marvel went with an r rating for the eternals just to tap their feet into that before deadpool that could 3. be interesting yeah I, I don't know i don't know that that will be a thing but i i obviously this does seem to be a movie with a lot of serious actors right i mean angelina jolie first and foremost yes i mean so I, I, who knows? I mean, I, I, that's just a total I, conjecture. I have no idea. No, but I'm pumped. Uh, I'm pumped. Um, uh, other things that we found out about this week. I mean, obviously the other big, big news from D23: Rise of Skywalker. Ah, 
and all the word is is that tomorrow morning we're going to get footage. Well, because there was footage released at D23. Right. Supposedly in it, um, at some point, I think there was something about Ray wielding a double-sided red, red lightsaber, which... And wi- while wearing black Sith robes. <laughs> I think... Uh, well, and Jamie's the one who was like, you know, he kind of was surprised that she hadn't wielded a double-sided lightsaber up until now, since she always had fought with the staff. Like, it seemed like a natural transition, but I don't know. I'm pumped. Oh, before we get too into Star Wars, also got a Black Panther 2 release date. Yes, which is so far away. May 2022. That's so forever. They're, they're clearly going with that as their big 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 movie for that year forever um, never gonna make it in, in basically in the doctor strange slot for that year in the end game slot for that year because they're going i mean may's their big release day yes. so i mean that's where end game was um and then that's where that's where uh strange will be in 2021 black panther 2022 what's gonna be what's there in 2020 make, uh uh natasha oh okay yay glad excited um, that is May, right? Not November. Uh, I don't know. I can look that up easily. I think it's. I think it. I think it was. The yeah, wonder it's Black, of it's the Black Widow. It's Black Widow. Okay. Um. So anyway, uh, you know, uh, great. Moving back to Star so back Wars to Star Wars because I'm really. I, I as I was sharing with you and Michael in our thread, I'm. A, I. I. Obviously, the trailer excited me to no doubt as our fans got to hear. On this very podcast. Oh, yeah. I forgot that we did that live. We were reviewing for comps and having to sit there and try to answer questions about science and stuff. And I'm looking at that. That was still mean. Oh, I forgot. I forgot how mean that was. Star Wars Distractify Study Sesh or something like that. So rude. So rude. Um, Yeah. But anyway... uh, uh, there were there was much more to that because the poster is already on the internet. It's oh, all yeah. over the internet now. Oh yeah. I really think in that poster it appears that they're fighting inside the old Death Star, which is yet another reason why Palpatine is lingering over them. Yeah, I, I have to wonder. Like, do you think Palpatine is behind the whole Snoke thing? You know, like was he the one kind it's- of? maneuvering possible. that i'm not saying it's that definitely a possibility what if palpatine is the one who is the grandfather or father of Rick? wait i said that and jamie was like oh no that's stupid and i was like no i think that's total oh i had that thought i had that what thought if, and jamie told me i was entire dumb time Ray is actually the Sith in all of this. Like a pal- and yeah, because if it's the rise of Skywalker, and we already have an obvious Skywalker, aka Kylo Ren, and he's been you know kind of battle like we know that he's been in the dark and going towards the light. And what if the rise of Skywalker means the fall of Ray? And so here again we have Skywalker versus the Palpatine, and it's the light versus the dark. And like maybe they'll come to just both be neutral. I've thought about that since the poster came I up. mean, it would make a lot of sense. It would be so cool! I accept It would make this. a lot of Jamie's sense. Jamie's laughing at me. Particularly... Because only two Sith can ever exist, but it would make sense if a Sith and a Jedi combined to bring balance to the Force. 
I well, and they could explain like being abandoned. I'm trying to remember. Was Ray? Do we know if, which parent Ray was left on the planet by? We know nothing about because it could make sense if if it was like her mom that arranged for her to be abandoned, trying to like get her away. I don't know. I just I've been thinking about that. I think that could be. What cool. do we know about Sheev Palpatine though? We know that this is the dude who, over a course of twenty years, took over the entire republic. Whole Republic. Systematically. Strategically. And those video games are canonical. And in that video game, his droid ghost comes back. Yeah, Jamie's doing finger guns at us about that. Pew, pew. Just like, ah, you should be. He probably wants me to play the video game again, but we'll see what happens. It's actually a really good game. Great storylines. But we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Palpatine was vastly underestimated. Um, and but my point is, he he would be strategic of him to have plotted this twenty years ago. Well, and what if? I mean, you know, just what if he's a Force ghost? Well, I you mean, know, isn't that what we're expecting? I don't know what I'm expecting. That's the point. Well, the other big Star Wars news, of course, we got a Mandalorian trailer. Oh, I didn't watch that. I didn't realize that had come. Oh, it's... I need to watch that. For a TV show, I mean, of course, what this show is apparently costing them per episode is, like, ridiculous. I'm ready um, for it. I mean, it. I mean, it looks like a full-on cinematic movie trailer, and it's for a television show. Yeah. Um, we also got confirmation that Ahsoka Tano and Star Wars uh, Rebel... Not Rebels. Clone uh, Wars? is coming back yeah i like her um you know i mean so uh, and ewan mcgregor fact, you guys, right that that was wasn't ewan mcgregor coming back as obi-wan kenobi wasn't that this week and ewan mcgregor and apparently they have confirmed that that is set in the era of solo okay i kind of like that i think that's a, that's probably good timing well i mean that's sort of logical timing isn't it i mean yeah Yes, yes. So, I mean, it makes sense. I wonder um, if it's taking place then, if we'll... Because I really hated what with how Solo went down. I thought Kira, the girl, was such a cool character to be introduced, and then just kind of, I imagined, I didn't think they were going to do anything else with her. But I wonder if the Obi-Wan show is taking place in that same time period, if she could be brought back in. I mean, it's a fine question. It's also an interesting thing just to speculate that 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 whole series could end up somehow leading us to Rogue One. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. It's just, I mean, it's a whole universe. It's a whole history. So I love it when it's all interconnected and stuff. Um, There have been so many other big things that have sort of hit this week. It's almost impossible to keep up with. I I was sort of. I was dizzying in 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 the fact that I was in meetings all week, and then all this stuff was hitting all week, and it was crazy. There's a there's a Breaking Bad movie that the trailer dropped last night. Really? 
El Camino is the name of it. It's going to tell the story of Jesse Pinkman and the events after Breaking Bad on Netflix. It's going straight to Netflix. Ah, so this is Netflix retaliating to like everything yes, getting complete, taken away. <laughs> complete. Well, Netflix is Netflix is going to have to push back hard somehow. Yeah, well, and I think, and it's funny, like a few years ago when they first started making all these Netflix original movies and tv shows i was like this is stupid i go to netflix for tv shows like reruns and stuff like that but now i'm like ah that that was smart because you you have a few things like stranger things and some other movies that are going straight to netflix that i'm like nah like now this is the only reason you would really keep netflix well and you hear even so many actors talk about now like it used to be if you were an up-and-coming actor what you wanted to get was like a pilot for and maybe get picked up by a network and have your pilot get picked up by yeah. a network. And then, or if you were a working actor on TV, maybe you wanted to get a movie made. And now it's like all they all want to do be on is Netflix. work for Netflix. Well, or apparently be on some Disney Plus TV Disney show. Because right. I mean, I mean, think about it. Did you ever think there would be a day when like, an actor like Tom Hiddleston, who is certainly like a big name actor, was just gonna was going to be on not just even a TV show, but like a TV show on an internet streaming service. Right. I mean, like it, a wh- two thousand two thousand and one us would have went, huh? Two thousand and one me would have been just blown away that the internet was capable of any of that. But anyway, I read. I read a. You know that this year's freshman class was born in two thousand and one, right? Yeah, I've had some weird things. Like I have like. I had the kids in my girls' ensembles fill out just kind of informational stuff and ask for their birthdays just to, like, I don't know, just so if it, if it happened during the year, I could be aware of it and be like, oh, happy birthday. And some of them wrote down the years, though, and it's, like, 2004, and I was like, oh, my gosh. You're a baby. Stop. Like, what are you doing in high school or whatever? I don't know. That might have been my middle this school group. This year's college freshman class, I read an article this morning grew up with the primary purpose of a phone to be to take pictures. That's absurd. 2001. I mean, that's a group of people that honestly literally have absolutely no recollection of like pre-9-11. Correct. That, that's a weird thing to me because... They've never gotten on an airplane without taking their shoes off. Because like, even I, like 2001, I, I was still young. I was seven. Um... But, like, I do have, like, vague memories of being able to go to the airport and, like, go all the way and watch through the windows and, like, watch my dad's plane take off. Like, I have memories of that. And, like, they don't. Like, that's a weird thing. Also, just the way the world changed in general after that. Like, that's, I don't know, that's such a weird thing to me. Sporting events were not always nearly as patriotic. Is that so? I I didn't know that. Granted, I don't um, pay a lot of attention to sports. To sing, they didn't used to sing God Bless America at every sporting event. And now they I don't. didn't know we did that now because, again, sports. sports. Balls, yeah, running, it. sweat. Eh. All right. Eh. Well, um, anyway, what are you guys watching right now? Uh, as in times of stress, we have been re-watching The Office. Oh, that's a good well, one. Yeah, actually, it's funny, like, with Jamie not having started work and moving here, we were, we kind of thought like, oh, we're going to watch all these new shows. But it, it's been like, 
weirdly stressful. So instead, we've basically just rewatched things we love because there is comfort in that. I know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. We've actually been buzzing our way through Working Moms. It, it's it's a uh, it's very funny, but it's also very hard to watch at times. Mm. A lot of very serious and also very funny. A lot of things. I have read books other than The Plomp. That's that's some stuff I've managed to do on our time off. I read the fourth Robert Galbraith book, um, which is actually J.K. Rowling. That's her pen name. And I gotta say, like, I feel like I've said this on here before. Those books are really good. Like, if you're into kind of yeah, you brought them up before. Yeah, if you're into mystery drama, that kind of thing, they're really well written in the mystery. Like, they're the I always appreciate when you have a mystery novel or show or whatever where you could sit there it's not like they're leaving out like really pivotal pieces of information so that you couldn't put like solve the mystery like you have everything that the characters have it's just a really like complicated thing i don't know i just really enjoyed those And I read oh. that, you know that book that everyone was talking about a while back, like A Man Called Ove, and that my grandmother told me to tell you I'm sorry, the guy, I can't think of the author's name because he's Swedish, and I can't pronounce it, but I like it. read another of his books, and it was really good. I really like that author, too, hmm. so if you're looking... What Jeff for breakfast? Uh, donut. <laughs> ah, it's a Sunday. We're recording on a weird day. That's a it is a, I found out that Publix has really good donuts. Of course they do. I had no idea. Well, we don't go to Publix that much. It also probably cost $4 It cost a, a lot. We went to Publix because we wanted to be kind of bougie and have like French bread and prosciutto for dinner one day. And we, But we weren't being bougie enough to like go to Fresh Market and try to buy that. Right. right? So like Publix was nice in between. But yeah, every time I go to Publix, I'm just like, my gosh, I cannot afford to buy my groceries here. Because, yep. oh. It just costs so much. But anyway. Well. That's struggle. Anyway. All right. Vocal fam. That's it for today. We will be back. With Hopefully the plump. You need to talk about a recording schedule. Yes. I thought about that. Because plump. Um, plump. 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 Because. And school is starting. And school. Yeah. So. Yeah. School starting. Anyway. Academic folks. Here's to a great school year. Meh. Academic year 2019-2020. Let's all have a great year. Yeah. Hopefully we'll all learn many, many, many things. Eh. That's my that's my takeaway because we haven't done takeaways in like... Oh my gosh. Yeah, takeaways. We haven't done a takeaway in like ever. Well, yeah, this summer was weird because we had all those interviews and we weren't like, well, well, what are we going to do? Pre-record a bunch of takeaways? My takeaway is go forth and innovate. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll just leave it with that. <laughs> I don't have anything. I forgot about Love that. <laughs> All right, right, Sarah. Let's let let's peace out, vocal fans. Bye. Let's sync.